0: Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, Season 2, Episode 21. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. I'm Paul LePage. And it's our good buddy, Teddy Ely from Boca Raton. He's back to join us this week. How's it going, Teddy? It's going great. How are you guys? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. We were doing really well on Sunday, getting to watch that nice 3-0 win over Sheffield United. What we were actually able to watch, thanks ESPN+. Plus, For real, where, where's my refund for that first half? That was, that was <laughs> awesome. and of course, I, I love how everybody was like, is it me? I thought it was just me, and it's, nope, everybody's getting hosed by ESPN+. Plus, But regardless, it was a 3-0 victory. It was a fun, fun game for us to watch. Paul, what were your thoughts?
1: Initially, that first 20 seconds, first minute were really bad. That It just seemed out the gate that, we were all over the shop and you could really see Saïs and Saad come out and the defence didn't have any shape to it. And there was that early chance and then the McGoldrick chance. But as we came into it, things settled down and it was a really competent professional performance. Very unWolves like when it comes to those types of fixtures. I was certainly expecting more shredded nerves and bitten fingernails all throughout but thankfully that the goals came at the right time and a, a really good set of goals as well and the contributions across the pitch that we're going to talk about I think it bodes bodes really well a really good morale boosting victory and on the next round Teddy
0: how'd you feel
2: yeah I just like Paul really really well it's definitely nervous with Marcel in the the back in the first 20 minutes so didn't really realize how much we would miss Saïs. Um, but yeah, after that, definitely can control the game. And I'm sure we'll talk about later. But yeah, the quality of goals scored was some of the highest all season. So definitely boats moving forward.
0: Well, let's talk first about the man of the match. And that was uh Daniel Potence. Man, just he's uh, not only that game, but even the last game as well. He's just been playing really well. Paul, he's got to be one, especially with uh, Huang hee Chan out right now. He's got to be first name on the team sheet, right?
1: From the outfield players, I think he's doing phenomenally. And just the the creativity that he's able to bring is something that we haven't necessarily got, Uh, definitely as far as the forward players goes. And I think there's a real opportunity if he can keep fit that we're going to start seeing the best of him as we go into the second half of this season. I think it's a real chance for him to shine and and really show what he can do.
0: So you talked about his creativity. It was him and Fabio. Both were really creative link-up play on Sunday. Teddy, was that Fabio's best game in a Wolves jersey, even though he didn't score? Certainly this, this season, best
2: game. Yeah, just the... The hold-up play as well. He's only played, I guess, 45 minutes in the last three months. But we're starting to see it in, in those 45 minutes. So, yeah, just being able to hold on to the ball. He said distribute. and The first goal scorer, he was always chasing down balls. I guess he was do- he's, he's always been doing that. But, yeah, he's always had that enthusiasm for the game that we've always seen. And now he's starting to, yeah, look like he bulked up a little bit and really making some some strides. And I think, I mean, what do you guys think? Is he a bat, the backup we need for the second half of the season? Or would you still like to see us bring in not a Willie and a Jose, but a Willie and <laughs> Jose for the second
0: half? We had talked last week and, and we said this was a big game for Fabio, not just for the game, but for the rest of the season. And I think if he would have bombed, he would be going out on loan here in the next week or so. Instead, yeah, I think he's the. I think he showed he can be the backup. And really, Paul, just a really great performance considering he had so little action up until now.
1: Yeah, all-round display, a lot of what Teddy was talking to, like the, the chasing down, looked enthusiastic, strength on and off the ball. Obviously, Sheffield United, that's a tough opposition to come up against. So to have that, going on i think was really solid for fabio i'll add a no stupid question on here as well that we had back from walls rated on twitter and he he asks it's the half season checking on my fabio not to score an epl goal prediction (laughs) so are we going to extend it to any competition but he does add joking aside he was excellent today so that was all that was missing that was all that was missing was a goal and I think if he'd have if he'd have topped that off then it'd have been a complete all-round performance I think
0: he I don't know about an EPL goal but I think he's going to score this next game against Norwich the next FA Cup game he looked really good and I think it's good for him it's good for the confidence and Teddy I think this is a really good sign that the coaching staff is keeping these guys engaged in practice. It's so tough to keep a 19-year-old who's barely played all season to have him come in and put in that kind of performance because it wasn't just hustle plays. He was showing real skill out there. I think that says a lot about the back room with Wolves. Yeah,
2: if you listen to Bruno's, I guess, post-match press conference, he says "Uh, Luis Nacimiento, also his brother, has really been working hard with the Fabio, that he's like a father figure to him, he said, as he was also working with him at, I think... Porto, I think beforehand. And yeah, basically he played a key role in his development up until this point. And uh, yeah, it would be difficult being 19, moving to a new country for a lot of money and not having played at all, pretty much all, all season. But yeah, as, as he said, definitely speaks to the the coach and staff to be able to motivate him and keep him in shape, show him that there is a, a plan for him to get into the first team. as long as he keeps on working hard and, and to be fair, I think we can all see the improvement compared to last year. So yeah, I'm excited for him moving forward and hope he gets a few more chances as Raul will definitely, I don't know. It seems like he needs a break or something because it's not sticking up top right now. I feel
1: I think what really will have boosted Fabio as well was the ovation that he got when he came off. So you really Mm -hmm. heard it through the TV that all the the stands were giving him a great send-off. So that will have been appreciated, I'm sure. And it's good for the Wolves fans, certainly in attendance, to see that the effort that went in. And that's what they rewarded him with that type of ovation when he was substituted. So I think that will be a boost to him as well
0: and let's talk about the second goal there and man, what a perfect wingback goal. First, the pass by Potence to get it to Aitnery was just spectacular. And then I didn't know what Aitnery was thinking with the pass, like what his goal was, but it was very clearly get completely over the face of the goal and find Semedo who drilled it home. Man, that is what we've been missing, Paul.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I think what, not necessarily surprised me, it showed a different element of the game that I knew he actually put some afterburners on and he has got some pace up to this point. We've seen him often close control and dribbling and he can't see how quick he is. But that opportunity that he was put in for, I thought he was going to get caught, but he actually kicked on and it was his pace that created the space. So that was fantastic. And just for Mark Semedo to be side by side and, and be there to to really finish an easy chance in the end, thanks to the creation. That's what we've been crying out for the past 18 months. So is it finally coming into fruition? That was from po- really from Samedo back to SAR and how it built from the back and then Podence's through ball. This is Bruno Ball 101. So more mm-hmm. of that, please. I don't know whether you saw the the little video that the Wolves put out today when they've made it a retro video game style, which just looks amazing. And it was, yeah. I think, perfect to what Bruno said that he used to play on his Spectrum or something. So he knew all about the FA Cup from probably yeah. the late eighties, early nineties, playing video games. And I thought that was a nice touch to, to all of that. So yeah, that's definitely one you'd save and play back to watch again for sure.
2: Yeah, I've been, as Paul said, literally crying out for a goal like that for, yeah, 18 months now. Just Hodan's coming in, he, he draws the center back in, and then Aiden Nori just has a one-on-one battle, just completely burns his opponent with paces. It, 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 yeah, and then wing back to wing back to is Yeah, just a perfect goal, nothing that we had seen from either of those players beforehand. We both I knew that they could do it, but I, don't know. I think the instructions have been, don't push that far up because um, would leave the back exposed, but before you, we need to score more goals in the second half of yeah. the season. And uh, yeah, I think we'll have to take some more risks, whether that means Nevis just dropping back for, for a little bit to play, to make it a four at the back as maybe like a Chelsea does or something, or yeah, yeah. We need to get the wing backs forward more and they need to be contributing or else we're Really gonna struggle the second half, so yeah, that's definitely optimistic. and yeah,
1: I think you talked talk to it exactly that it's no coincidence that an extra body in the box, be it Semedo or whoever pops up with the goal. It's not science, is it, put the delivery in and have someone there, then you, you you're going to get those chances. So it's whether more can be crafted at the same time as maintaining this super stability that we've got defensively obviously there's a fine balance but yeah that, I think that's what the overriding goal is to keep things steady but if an opportunity presents itself like that then we go in and take it
0: so I'd say and you guys alluded to it early about the only negative you could say was those first 20 minutes the defense looked shaky really we were having a hard time keeping their shape we're disorganized and that obviously goes back to Sais being out. I think we're definitely seeing how important he is. So Marcel played the first half. Eh, he did okay. Den Donker came in the second half, and they moved Kilman over to the left side after that. I know, Paul, you're worried about a Marcel injury for the change. I kind of think that was the plan all along, though, is... Bruno was hoping that this would be a fairly comfortable win, which it turned out to be. And he needs to see before this weekend who's going to be his back three, who's replacing Saïs. So I think he wanted to see a half from Marcel and Dendonker. What are your feelings?
1: For, for me, the reason why I'm probably keen on Marcel out of both of those two is that it minimizes disruption because if Dendonker comes in, then he has to play on the right so that – forces Kilman to shift. If Marcel comes in, he can take that left spot, keep, keep Kilman where he is on the right, because not only have we got that adjustment to make, we've got our coming in. So there's moving parts, which there hasn't been for some time. So I'm I'm thinking that he'd like to keep things pretty stable. So if he could swap apples to apples as far as Seuss and Marcel goes, I think that's what it would stretch to. But it, it may highlight the job Kilman can do if all of a sudden he can flip to the opposite side and still maintain his high level of performance. And maybe he's needed to do that because there's more of a question mark over Aitneru defensively than Samedo. But then Neuro didn't really let anyone down when it came to... The, the Liverpool game recently and stuff. So it's tricky. I think there's a there's there's a lot to balance up in terms of what he's going to run with these next few weeks.
2: Yeah, I will say, I don't know if you guys watched the AFCON highlights for Morocco yesterday, um, but Saez was on the back of like five headers or something. I, I think we just sometimes, yeah, I just forget his aerial presence as well. And I feel like mm-hmm. with Marseille, we definitely lack that and you know especially on corner kicks as well you've seen him stationed at the the front post ever since his rugby tackle on ivan tony in the box yeah i feel like i i would prefer den or just a little more height and i like having a right footer right center back playing at the left footed left center back but again it's only two games so it shouldn't be then. yeah but interesting
0: to see how we cope And and I do think if the ultimate goal is to next year have a back four, which I I still think it is, we got to figure out if Kilman can play on that other side as well, which I have every confidence in the world in him. Paul, he's got to get called up by England. It's got to happen. The
1: the way it's going, I think he he can only go that one direction. That is definitely worth a place in the squad in my book for sure. And I would probably think they will get a call up just so Southgate can see him in the flesh somewhat as well. But, yeah, it's a no-brainer to me with the company that it's keeping in that position.
2: Yeah, I'm also surprised he hasn't been, ever been a speculation of any bids for him. Because, yeah, he's he's truly been outstanding this whole season. I don't know, I just feel like some big team's going to come calling for him. But I, I
0: haven't seen or heard of anything. I, I saw one thing, I can't remember where I saw it, and it was basically like, "Oh yeah, they're hitting around seeing if uh, wolves would take thirteen million pounds for Kilman." Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> thirteen million, maybe for his weak foot. Yeah. Hey. He's been so good. <laughs> so, guys, I, I was really happy just to see the lineup that was thrown out there. It's very clear that what Bruno said going in, that he wants to win trophies at Wolves, and this is an opportunity for a trophy, and he was going to take it seriously. I think that lineup definitely showed that. And we got a favorable draw here in the fourth round, a home game against uh, Norwich. As far as the different opponents we could have gotten, that was one of the better draws.
1: Yeah, I think you you avoid the big clubs at this stage, you avoid those potential banana skins away from home from a non league side or a League One or League Two opponent. Uh, home draw against a Premier League outfit in Norwich, I'm going to be classing that similarly to what we faced on Sunday with Sheffield United. So I think it'll be exactly the same type of lineup when it comes around that he's going to go for it. It's going to be pretty, pretty strong, close to full strength if not a few uh, subtle changes just to manage minutes and uh, miles on the clock and what have you. But yeah, I was pleased with the lineup and I hope that I'm sure it will remain throughout the rest of the competition.
2: Yeah, looking at the bench, to be fair, we don't really have too many many other options that we could even throw on there. But yeah, I'll just see if Jordan plays any any part over the next couple of games or if he goes out on loan and kind of what we do with Sanderson and
0: Giles now that they're back. But yeah, it was a pretty strong lineup. So I saw this on Twitter and I thought this was very interesting. Some people have been throwing back in Jeff She's face that, oh, you said you wanted Wolves to be the next Man City, right? Let's go over here once Man City got promoted back to the Premier League. First first season, Man City was eighth. Wolves were seventh. Next year, Man City was sixteenth. Wolves were seventh. Next year, Man City was fifteenth. Wolves were thirteenth. The fourth season, Man City was fourteenth. Wolves were are currently eight. Paul, I mean, but what, when did they get the taken track?
2: over by the ownership group? I think it's the
0: key part there. What, was it at the <laughs> the,
2: end, the last, Was it at the beginning season? I, I don't think it was,
0: but I can't remember. I do know they went 9th, tenth. And then fifth and then haven't finished
1: worse than third since then.
0: <laughs> Teddy is very obviously skeptical <laughs> that
1: Paul. And even though we're talking a relatively short time ago, that was night and day finances wise to what we face with at the moment. You, you, it's very difficult to do a Manchester City. It'd be interesting to see the model that Newcastle deploy, if that works. Yeah, I I think with all of this, what goes on when it comes to investment, what goes on when it comes to transfer windows, I bet you, Jeff wishes he could go back in time and just tweet that expectations <laughs> down. Just slightly. If he'd have said something along the lines of oh, I want to be competing in an in or around Europe for the next so many seasons," that we've been in and around Europe for the recent seasons, everyone would have been going, "Oh, okay, yeah, that that seems about right." He he set the bar extremely high, and who knows the factors that are going on that's going to influence that, but. If you could do a, if you could have a redo, I think that's what he'd do.
2: I will say that came in at 2008. So that's, you are right there. I think. I? So, uh,
1: I just, yeah. I saw it on Twitter,
0: so I knew it had to be true. <laughs> <laughs> yep, well, trust me, that's why I get all interesting, yeah. yeah. You know, anytime I see some interesting stat like that, I like to bookmark it to talk about it in the podcast. So yeah, that was from, uh, at Lee McWolf. So interesting little content there. He seems very confident that we're right on course to be Man City here in a few years. I don't know about that, but we'll see. The fact is, guys, we're in eighth, and we were very worried about December. Now, granted, we had a couple of fixtures that were canceled uh, or postponed, but we're in a we're in a fairly good spot. I feel good. I, I feel like. We're not going to be in that relegation battle this year. Whether I, I think there'll be more talks of Europe than relegation, I don't know if any of those will come to pass. But I feel good considering how small the squad is. I've seen a lot of promise.
2: Yeah. Also, we didn't even know what Bruno was going to be like coming uh-huh. in. I think definitely exceeded my my expectation of, of him at least. I think we've got a. Great up-and-coming coach on our hands.
0: Oh, I completely agree. I like how passionate he gets with the fans, too. I know Nuno would do that as well. But you see a lot of these managers that don't. And Bruno is very interactive with the fans and also with the media. You can tell the media loves him.
2: Yeah, he's, he's the most trustworthy coach or trustworthy coach I've ever yeah. seen. He's like, <laughs> just literally tells it as is, calls out. You know, yeah, he gives zero Fs sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> my
0: God, yeah. Especially when he's talking about the transfer window. He's like, I'm just going to tell you how I feel.
1: Yes, that was for our listener, and, uh, Andrew Barlow, and his daughter, Tegan, who finally got her new black away replica jersey and enjoyed wearing it in celebration of Sunday's victory.
0: Woohoo! So we're back at it in the EPL this weekend with Southampton coming to Molyneux for a 9 a.m. Central kickoff on Saturday morning. That's 10 a.m. Eastern. And to help us do our homework on the opponents, we're delighted to bring in Saints fan Tim Bizance who previews the teams and does injury reports weekly on the In That Number podcast. And that's at Number Podcast on Twitter and In That Number Podcast on Instagram. How's it going, Tim?
3: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. You are talking to probably a fan who's at the happiest time of the season today. Did not you catch the the game earlier that we just beat up on Brentford for one highest. We've been in the table all season long, and it's a complete shock to us because we and like many of us who are not expecting at least to be anywhere near that high on the table.
0: Except for last year at the beginning of the season. Uh,
3: yeah. Our literally our calendar year of 2020 was. Amazing. It was absolutely fantastic. I think it's somewhere around fifth or sixth in the total Premier League for the for that specific calendar year. Ultimately, uh, we didn't expect to be anywhere near this. 2021 was a complete wash. I'm surprised that we're not as
0: worse as we are off, but thankfully, that was a great win and feeling pretty good about things. So we won one nil away when these teams first met in September. How has Southampton's season fluctuated since then?
3: overall leading up to today's today's game everything's been pretty lackluster to us so now while we beat up on a just a newly promoted side it's that's one thing it's another thing to be feeling good about where we're at and we are actually legitimately thinking that we are better than three other teams in the league And that's what we were fighting against. So a lot of us are predicting anywhere between a 13th to 18th finish. And hopefully that's not going to be that 18th slot. But we truly feel that either not necessarily Newcastle, depending on who they sign, but Norwich, Burnley, and then potentially Watford there are going to be those three that are going to go down. And we feel that we could be better than them alongside even Newcastle to get that Security and that safety bet.
0: Burnley appears to be waving the white flag already. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a relegation clause for Chris Wood. If that's the case, twenty-five million, and who knows? Maxwell Cornet is not going to be sitting pretty, pretty over there after one year. But overall, we've been biting our nails for the last few for the majority of the season so far. Uh, the only promising thing, though, recently with the new ownership group. Really happy to see them come in. There's some cautious optimism on our end, specifically because of Rasmus Anderson, who is previously the Brentford mainstay, the guy who brought them from League One all the way to the Premier League now. He's in there. He's involved with a Serbian billionaire, which you never know what's going to happen with a Balkans-based billionaire. But overall, there's, like I said, cautious optimism. We're feeling all right. But that Wolves game, you're the only team that we've lost to at home all season long. So to, to take that away from it is we're happy to give Raul Jimenez the charity that he needed to get back into things. <laughs> but beyond that, yeah, just a lot. It's all over the place. But we're really feeling actually positive for the first time in a long time.
1: So based on that positivity and, and today's victory, which players or positional groups are in form and likely to pose a particular challenge to us on saturday especially seems you'll be playing away from home
3: absolutely so you're looking at the three different thresholds you've got attacking our midfield and then the defense we normally run a high press 4222 with a press, but Ralph's been recently evolving, and the traditional 4-2-2 style does not actually suit up well against teams that have a very stout defense with your back three that you have with Cody, Kilman, and Sais back there doing really well, and not this week. <laughs> Saiz is off, and he's blessing the reins down oh, in Africa. Morocco. Okay. So seeing how that are three areas that you're going to be looking for in defense is Mohamed Salisu. He is, he normal, he's a Ghanan international, but is not playing for AFCON, which is great for us. And he's been completely, hes he takes people out to the cleaners. He cleans things up. He's a janitor. He's just back there sweeping everything that you possibly can. Tons of interceptions. No nonsense. Kind of center back. Just throwing himself around and not afraid to block any shots that come his way. Secondly is you got to watch out for James Wood Prowse. He is legitimately a firecracker. He is all over the place. And he'll throw him anywhere. He'll do just about the best job that he possibly can. He's never going to win you over with any one thing on the pitch, but once he gets a set piece, you got to watch out because he is absolutely world class. And then lastly is uh, our on loan Chelsea player for the attacking Armando Broja scored today. Absolutely been fantastic. Is our joint top scorer in the entire in all of our all of our competitions. And is a mainstay now. He's the, one of the first people on the team sheet. So I would really be looking out for him to be your attacking threat. And if you get any, if you get a foul anywhere near or outside the box,
0: just pray that uh, somebody is tall enough to hit that ball away. So are you anticipating any significant player movement, either incoming or outgoing during this transfer window?
3: No, we don't actually anticipate much of that. Uh there's this concept called the Southampton Way, and this comes back from like the 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014 years where they would sign younger players, develop them and sell them on for higher for higher prices. We are getting back into that. We saw that over this past year where we signed Thierry Small and then T- Tina Lippimento are two of our, our guys for the future. And we could see a signing for a youth player or a signing with a sign and then they loan them back for the next six months. Otherwise, the only thing we might think of is a pre-contract for a goalkeeper. We are looking at Fraser Foster is going to run down his contract at the end of this year. And Alex McCarthy, who is injured right now, unfortunately, is our long-term anticipated assign has not been announced on a three-year deal. So Overall with that, you might see that, like I said, that youth player come through or just a goalkeeper.
1: As we bring this segment to an end, Tim, and you touched upon it briefly, but can you just talk to expectations really for the remainder of the season, probably cautiously optimistic and then into (laughs) the future as well with that new ownership situation?
3: Yeah, I really think that if you've been following Brentford the last few years and how they have a they have a de- develop develop pro, uh, profile with Michelin is the team that's in Copenhagen. I have to work on my Danish now that Rasmus Anderson is here. I think we're going to basically take Brentford and put them on put it on steroids, where you're going to be looking for that next threshold before you then sell them on to the Manchester United or the Liverpools. But we won't sell anybody to Liverpool ever again. We'll be happy to work with Chelsea though. That's totally okay. So you're going to look for more of the 13 to 20, even the 25 million pound range for signings as they take that next step up. Those are what we're looking at. And so realistically, our goal, our goal is going to be, and the hope is really get to that sixth or seventh or eighth place is like the top Echelon, or what we're really hoping for. But right now, we're slotting into that 13th to 18th place finish. But with positivity today, I'm looking at more like a 14th place finish for the end of the season.
0: So let's look ahead to Southampton. I think there's two big questions, lineup questions. Number one, who's the starting back three? Number two, who's the starting nine? Paul?
1: That second question first, I think I was high on Fabio Aura after Sunday and I was definitely the case of oh yeah let's give him a go against Southampton and and Raul can be rested. I, I still go back to had he scored I could have probably seen that having had time to reflect and Raul came on made a difference with an assist I think that swung it in his favour. And even more so as the week's gone on, I keep on seeing his goal against Southampton from early on in the season and thinking it's too much of a sweeping change at this stage for that call to be made. I think what we now know is that 60 minutes in, if it's not working, then that's when Fabio's opportunity is to to come in. I think I've tempered my expectations somewhat that, I'd rather say that's going to happen rather than a sweeping change that Fabio becomes the starter.
0: I agree. How about you, Teddy?
1: Yeah, I think I think Raul
2: should, should start this one.
0: I do think it's going to be interesting that once it gets a little, and some of these games start being rescheduled, a little we'll fixture congestion. At that point, I could see Fabio getting a start over Raul. Just because you don't, you can keep him a little rested. Or even, like you said, 60 minutes, or in Bruno's case, 75 minutes making a change. (laughs) How about that back three? Assuming everyone's healthy, which we don't know, but assuming Marsal's healthy, who starts? Is it going to be Dendonker or Marsal? Or do we just say, screw it, we're going back four? (laughs)
1: I think you guys have convinced me now that it should be Dendonka based on that height issue, that if those balls are coming over, it's one thing to to miss Saïs, the balls on the ground. But as Teddy mentioned, being able to defend those high balls as well is crucial. And Dendonka gives us a better option to do that defensively. My only worry there is the ability that it gives us further up the pitch to make a change and is this where we we genuinely are stretched and we do see a leak under for a Moutinho at some point so that's my only reservation as far as the bat line goes is how it impacts the other the other positional groups
2: yeah that's why i'm just curious to see if jordal would be mm-hmm. in any part of the first team picture if he gets sick, because he, he would be even just for 10 minutes at the end of the game. If he can hold his, hold his own. That's good rest for Neves. Sure. Yeah. So,
0: Yeah. Just like Kilman really solved a lot of issues for the back line early this year. I feel like Jordal would solve so many issues in the midfield, but I, we don't know what he has. Yeah. Exactly. It seems like anytime he's ready to come into the game, there's never a break in play. So the dude's just needs the perfect fourth, fourth ref out there. But you never know. He gets his chance. So we think that the wing backs going to be the same. Adama and Potence, too.
1: I, I don't think Adama's going to start. And I think that we, it was telling on Sunday that he did. And the club made him cup tied given that all the speculation's going on. Plus, it was an opportunity where he could have shone and and really stood out, and he didn't really grab it. And you can read body language. You can look at comments about his performance and and think pretty negatively off a Sunday. So I'd probably see him from the bench. And luckily, I think, A home game probably suits Trincao more. So if you've got some dynamism between Bowden, certainly with the form that he's in, and if Raul can turn it up a notch, gives Trincao a little bit more license that not everything has to come through him. He can look and try and carve his own niches as far as that forward three goes.
0: So let's talk predictions then. They broke through. Finally had uh, more than one goal. Do you think it continues, Paul?
1: I do. I'm super positive, Paul, this week. I'm going 3-1.
0: What? (laughs) Paul, are you drinking leftover eggnog? (laughs) How about you, Teddy?
2: Yeah, again, Sheffield is in the championship and we're playing two other backup center backs yeah i got a one one here i think just the defense the, the changes we have and ward Prowse is yeah just he can always come up with a goal and bro yes looked really good actually for a, i think he's a teenager so yeah i think one one seems seems about right
0: i think i'm gonna go with teddy here i think one one sounds pretty realistic there Hoping
2: for 3-1, though, you
0: know. Hoping for 3-1, three, three, yeah. Rooting, rooting for 3 <laughs> Well, guys, it's January. Teddy, I'm sorry you missed Santa Lodge by a week, but we still get a chance to talk about the transfer window. So let's get right to the silly season. We did have a signing, Japanese attacking midfielder Heiwa. Kawabi, I'm sure I completely butchered that. I mean, he's from our sister-slash-wife-slash-money-laundering club, Grasshoppers. He's at 26, a little different profile of player, and he's probably going to go back on loan to Grasshoppers. I do think, okay, because he's Japanese, again, this is not only a signing, hoping he helps on the field, but probably a marketing thing as well. What were you thinking about that move, Paul?
1: Firstly, how out the blue it came, that it was... The initial reports that Toti Gomez was coming back so Large could have a look at him while the Swiss League's on break for the winter. And then it was reported that Kawabi was here as well and whether that was just a look-see. But then the next day it was an official signing. So it came out the blue relatively. So I think that's interesting. The age thing is a little weird to me that it's... 26, just not a real youngster at that age should, if he's Premier League quality, probably have more caps to his name and played for, with all due respect, better team than Grasshoppers up to this point. So I think it's going to be a stretch that we're looking to him to come in and potentially make a difference either this season if he doesn't go back or if he's going to be a squad player next season. But then again, nobody had a clue who Mosquera was when he came in from the Colombian side and that was a sign in for the squad that was going to contend for a first 11 place straight away. So yeah, who knows what's going on with this scouting network and the infrastructure that they've got in place that they've identified someone and he's got the talent and they think they can take a proper place in the team or close to it, make a difference. So, if we want to keep an eye on, that's for sure.
0: I think he was only fifty thousand transfer fee. That's what I saw.
1: Five hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, half a mil.
2: Yeah, I found it um quite odd. I guess yeah, for him to come over from Japan just last year. Yeah, twenty six. Yeah, like most players in the japanese league tend, tend to stay there so yeah i'm not sure how grasshoppers ended up finding him yeah it sounds like he has great technical ability playing in japan and switzerland is the pace of the game and strength isn't, isn't quite there so that's the biggest adjustment yeah who knows another you know s- swipe of the raffle so could <laughs> couldn't end up working out if not don't think there's any harm done at all i
0: really wish um their little feeder club wasn't all the way out there i think they should have teamed up with an mls squad i'd like to see these guys over here in the u.s (laughs) i feel like competition level is probably about the same i'd hope mls is a little better but i don't know i don't know guys are we seeing the last games for adama Traore? Because now there's rumors it's out there, Tottenham's trying to sell Wolves on $20 and or maybe a jabroni player or two. And Chelsea's apparently interested now. What do you think?
1: I think it's an opportunity, if ever there was one, for some wheeling and dealing. And especially when you look at the likes of the squad that Chelsea's got. Is there an, an, any opportunity to, to be cute and go in for a... We won't get him, but a Conor Gallagher type, obviously mentioned the Southampton loanee that they've got. So there's there's that section of players within the Chelsea squad that can come in and, and fill a first-team role for Premier League teams further down in the division. So if anything... Some competition between Tottenham and Chelsea, I think it's only good for us valuation-wise and what they can squeeze out of the deal. I still, with we, I, not to be mean to the guy, I don't want him in the Premier League. I, I don't want to come up against him. I do have a feeling that if he goes to either of one of those um, teams, he's going to do pretty well. I'd rather him go abroad, go to Spain. And, and excel there when we're not going to have two games against him each season.
0: Just the thought of him bombing down the sidelines and either crossing stuff in the box to Harry Kane or to Lukaku or whoever's going to be the number nine over there in Chelsea. Newcastle's also making some news. They they made a move at right back. Looks like they're getting Chris Wood from Burnley. They've been trying to get Spen Botman, who I know, Teddy, that was one of the guys that you really wanted. In- yeah. Yeah, it sounds like Lille still aren't selling this there. They
2: actually made it through to the next round of the Champions League, so I don't think there's any chance in hell getting them. And Newcastle losing the Cambridge United over the weekend, even with all these signings, I, they they are just too poor all over the pitch, I feel. And yeah, they I don't think they have what it takes to stay up this year, but we'll see what happens.
0: I think Newcastle is going to screw up this market because they do have the money to overpay for guys like Sven Botman shouldn't be rated at 40 million. I feel like the price they were asking Wolves for this summer was a fair price and Wolves just they stick to a price and refuse to go above it, it appears. So not only do all these other teams know that Newcastle is going to have to overpay for stuff, but now it's a Sven Botman. Yeah, does he want to get the payday, but then play in the championship for a year? After you get, I don't know. I, I I really don't know what's going on there. Oh, there there has been some talk of Benoit Bedishele. I'm sure I'm screwing that one up too. That kind of fits the profile of who we're looking at. And I think him and Kilman could make a really potentially good back four, but it sounded like a thirty million dollar pound transfer was rejected. Paul, you heard hearing any rumors on that?
1: And initially, there seemed some legs in it and a little it'd be between the structure of a deal in terms of a loan with an obligation or option or whatever it was. But you're right. That's the type of profile of center back that we, we should be looking at.
0: And instead, it looks like now the latest rumors are Carlos Salcedo is a Mexican center back. He's been capped 60 sometimes. Um but he's a little bit older, never really stood out that much. He does have national team experience. Obviously, we've had sec, uh, success with Raul, and I'm sure Raul's probably vouching for him there. Do you think that's somebody, Teddy, who would be a good addition, or is it kind of like just adding somebody to add somebody?
2: Yeah, I'm never against. it. worked out with Motino, adding, adding some veterans to the squad. Again, Salcedo's coming from Tigres and the... Mexican mexicanly or league mx i'm not quite sure if he's up to the requisite quality but yeah i guess like marsal as well having a little professional cover i'm never one to say no to but yeah i'm gonna be honest i don't see us signing anyone this transfer window unless triore sold and I'm keeping my head out of the rumor mill to save myself and keep myself <laughs> a little sane so we'll, uh, we'll see what happens but i, yeah, I don't foresee us spending a- any money unless adama gets sold
0: if you could have asked saint olaj last week for one player who would it have been
2: definitely a center midfielder it's not
0: realistic
2: i'll go frank kessie because just because he's out of, ah, at frank the, end kessie, of the year yeah. but he's someone like just a dynamic center mid is something
1: tell so- you what's interesting with all of this going on though we've obviously had this stuff with Newcastle and Botman, So that doesn't give much clarity to the wall situation when they were in for him, but it does show that it's not as easy as playing football manager and just going out there and trying to sign someone. And the flip Mm -hmm. side of that is as well is where's our boy Renato Sanchez. If he was in that hot demand, either from us or elsewhere, suddenly, as soon as that window opens, is he on the move? And he hasn't been. So how many plates is spinning? Who knows? I think you, you're dead right, Teddy, that we take our time away from it and say whatever happens, because you'd just be beating yourself up every day if you're looking at all these names swirling around and come midnight or whenever it closes on the, the 31st, we've, we've got that one probably loan signing with an option.
0: And if it's the right guy, I wouldn't be against it. Yeah, and Uh-oh. they
1: go on again. We, we've got to look to those players that are going to make a difference to the the first 11. W- would Botman? Yeah. Would Badalashiel? Yeah. Would Sanchez? Yeah. When you start hearing these other names, well, you're thinking, well, maybe not. And then you start looking at the players thinking whose position is potentially liable at the moment and it's really tricky and the the only thing where i'm looking at is contract issues around size and marcel so that opens up a center back opportunity and then we are light in the center midfield spot obviously moutinho has been doing exceptionally he's out of contract that's where there is opportunity because then Donka is not gonna be an answer, either short-term or long-term in a two. So is there a player that can come in and be fantastic alongside Neves or offer something completely different, offer that dynamism that's missing that can come in and play alongside Neves and Moutinho in a different formation that gives the team something a little bit different that can add Value to the first eleven that way. It may not be adding value to the first eleven as the current formation stands. That player coming in, being able to switch the formation, add a second attacker, or free up some space or some more creativity. That could be all the difference that they're looking for as well.
0: I still feel like Jeff. She, he should be motivated. Just all right. I'm going to sign somebody decent at center mid and center back just to get all you guys off my back. Yeah. (laughs) If yeah. they did, if they got one of these names that we're talking about, just one, where is Sanchez? Basically, yeah. he would. Uh, they everybody would be like, "We're back, baby!" Yeah. I, I don't even think we need to get both of them. If we yeah. got one of, if they would have closed the deal on Renato Sanchez at the end of that summer window, yeah, there would have been such a different view of that transfer window.
1: Yeah, yeah. unquestionably, and even to the if that happened again now or they got that player in it would switch the mindset completely because now they're looking back and thinking look at the different jo- difference Jose Sars made mm-hmm. they're able to identify these players that can come in and take the team to the next level so Sars come in and been fantastic and influences the way we play so they've struck gold with him The likes of Aunt Nuri are really starting to shine. Semedo's coming into his own. Green shoots from Silver definitely. So if you did add that big name or bigger name to the players that we've we've currently got, we'd really start struggling to see where these genuine misses have happened in the transfer market. It's just been a case that we haven't struck when, to pretty much everyone, there's, there's two glaring holes at the centre-back in centre-midfield, that centre-back, we've been crying out for this domineering centre-back <laughs> for since we were promoted, when Ryan Bennett was still playing in the Premier League. So. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And him as well, with Vallejo. So, you know, it's
0: just... Oh, Vallejo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're always a year behind. Like, we're talking about somebody, and it's, yeah, that'd be a great signing, and then they don't make the deal... And then the next year, those people go off. The only one who I think you could say we got them before they went off was Neto and Aitnery. But look at Botman now. Botman's clearly, he's gone up in value since the summer.
1: Yeah, like the E example, just as we were about to sign him, all of a sudden that PSG interest Mm -hmm. got turned up. So it's obviously there. These players are being scouted by us and multiple teams, so there is such an often pressing and urgent need to to strike a little early and take a gamble, hope it comes off. Probably Botman's out of our price range now, even though he really shouldn't be. I agree. I agree.
0: I think Wolves fans, honestly, they're not that demanding for the most part. They want to see signings, but it's not like we're expecting to see some huge 60, 70 million pound guy. For the most part, if a guy's listed at 40 or more, everybody's like, well, we're not getting him. And just moving on. I I feel like they just, they were told, hey, we're going to spend money, we're going to compete. So in that mind, okay, I think we're set with, we're not going to spend the money as big six. But if we could be spending the money like a West Ham or... Even like a Villa, and I know Villa got those funds from selling Grealish, but that's all we want. That's all we want, to j- just show like you're making those opportunities and not everything. It's almost like that guy in your fantasy football league, this is American football folk, that guy who he never does trades unless he feels like he's getting by far the better trade. That's what I feel Jeff She is sometimes. Well, I'm not going to buy him unless I know for sure – I'm getting the better end of the deal. And that's just not how it works. You like that analogy, Paul? Do you play fantasy football, Paul?
1: No, but both. I'm like a recovering fantasy sports alcoholic that (laughs) I just fall into this horrible trap of getting way too consumed in it all with both sizes of football as well. So I just don't, don't partake anymore. Take for my sanity and my livelihood and <laughs> a stable family it's just like and to be honest I don't like players on my team that maybe impact the wolves <laughs> so I don't want to play players that might score thinking oh we've just let one in yet yeah, that's got me three points or whatever but mm. I, I always liked the scouting element about it that you did, I had a much better understanding of squads and injuries and and all of that when i was more active but yeah daddy i bet you're a fantasy guy aren't you
2: yeah i not as much football these days but yeah and on the fpl i've been big on the the grind this season so yeah definitely learned some random players you weren't sure were part of (laughs) premier league squads that are getting 90 minutes a game so
0: yeah i still always have to go back to my my uh old school fantasy baseball that's what why yeah that's guys. my class yeah yeah yeah
2: if you got so, any good leagues josh I'm, I'm looking for one for this uh
0: you, if you come to my league it's tough man we started it <laughs> 2003 and i've won six titles and finished at least third place nine times so is that it, is it a
2: dynasty league or just, just
0: yeah yeah we keep five
2: guys so
0: yeah so nice let, let me know i will Maybe may oh Paul, I'm getting an idea. Whole lot of Wolves Fantasy League. (laughs) Paul's like, no.
1: (laughs) Go and go knock yourself out, Josh. Winner gets a wrestling belt. Oh yes. Yes, definitely. (laughs) And that brings this week show to an end please continue to do what you can in terms of liking, subscribing, reviewing whole lot of walls on the podcast platform you find yourself listening to us on right now. Between games we're active on Twitter and Facebook so send your no stupid questions in each week via those channels or on email which is hello at wholelotofwalls.com. We're rated five out of five on Spotify, but I think that was just down to my single rating. So if you're a listener on that platform, then please do the same. (laughs) It certainly helps with our exposure and getting the podcast out there. So we are back next week to review Saturday's game and then, Preview a potential tricky little trip away to Brentford. So in the meantime, up the mighty Wolves.